Good morning. So the reason why Pastor Bobby's not here is because he is celebrating his 40th anniversary with Carrie today. And uh, I appreciate a pastor who uh, releases the pulpit to be with his wife on the 40th anniversary. That's that's the type of leadership I can uh, I can follow. The reason why we didn't have donuts this morning is because it would have got us through worship, but by the time I spoke, everyone would be asleep because the sugar high would have worn off. <laughs> if you'll turn your Bibles this morning to uh, the book of Psalms, Psalms 126. This is serious right here. It's like flavor sealed or something. I'm not sure about that. Oh, right where I wanted it, right there. How many of you feel like you have enough joy this morning? Feel like I have enough, like I don't need any more joy. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage our joy then this morning. If you feel like, you know what, I, I, I appreciate the joy I have. I know the joy is from the Lord. I appreciate what I have, but I, I, I just want more. I want more of that joy. I want it more sustained in my life. Uh, I, I'm going to encourage our joy this morning out of the book of Psalms. It's a great set of scripture. Some of it, if not all of it, will be very familiar to you. Psalms 126, and it's a, it's a image of uh, Israel coming back from captivity. Israel had been taken away, uh, carried away into captivity out of disobedience, uh, as is often their history and often in our times our history of uh, uh, of our walk with the Lord ups and downs and yet they were carried off into captivity and and in 1538 the king of Persia signed a release to have them return or brought back to their uh, uh, to their homeland and so this is their testimony this is their song this is their story coming out of that captivity it says, when the Lord brought back the captive to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Don't you love that? Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Everybody say, filled with joy. Filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap in songs of joy. He who goes out weeping and carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Can we pray? Father, we thank you today for this time of worship, for these times of coming together as a church family and being able to, to share our faith, our worship our relationship together. I pray today as we share the word, Father, may it go deeper in us today. May it light our path. Father, illuminate what you've called us to do and to be. Today, Father, may joy arise in our midst. May joy arise in our hearts. May it arise in our homes and our conversations. Lord, may it arise in our workplaces. May your joy arise, we ask. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let me just, first of all, before we get into this text, let me just tell you what joy is not. Can we just kind of take a minute and talk about what joy is not? Joy is not an emotion. It's an attitude. Happiness is an emotion. 
right? We have times of being very happy, celebration. I just I celebrated a birthday. It was a happy time. We ate cake. We opened gifts. I opened gifts. I ate cake. It was a great time. It's an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. It's not a temperament either. You know, there's some people that just seem happier than others. Like there's a tendency toward happiness. There's people that are more outgoing than others. They always, they're high-fiving and they're smiling and they're hugging necks and they, you know, that's not joy. That's a temperament. And we honor temperaments. We appreciate how God's created us. But just because you're outgoing doesn't mean that there's joy. And just because you're more serious in nature or more reserved in nature doesn't mean you don't have joy. It's not a temperament. And it's not temporary either. Joy is not something that comes and goes that, that's, that's what we would call a worldly joy, a worldly happiness that come and go as circumstances change. Things are going great, we're full of joy, things are bad, we lose our joy. That's not biblical true joy. God didn't call us on a roller coaster ride of emotion. Matter of fact, Paul says in speaking to the, the journey of a Christian, he said, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It means even in moments of genuine, authentic sorrow, there's still an inner joy. There's an inner rejoicing that is in us because joy is consistent. It's not temporary. Joy is not something that is a commodity. We don't buy joy. Do you know what I'm saying? There's not enough entertainment. There's not enough possessions. There's not enough vacations to take that sustains us with joy. Those are all wonderful things, but they're not joy, and they don't lead to joy. Those can be a temporary distraction for us, but we don't need distraction from our lives. We need the truth. We need the solution to the stress and the anxiety and the ups and the downs and the struggles and the pressure. It can't be manufactured either. Meaning we can't just think, you know, I just need to be more joyful today, so therefore I'm going to be more joyful. That'd be wonderful. All the self-help tapes in the world speaking on joy are not going to make you more joyful. They can tweak our attitude a little bit, which is important, and tweak how we think, but that, that's not going to sustain joy in our lives. We can't fake it. We can't just put a smile on this morning and walk around saying and looking like everything is great when real, inside there's a real grumble. Right? Being a morning person doesn't make you joyful. And you know who you are out there. It's a Snoopy t-shirt. You saw this that said, I hate people that sing in the morning. <laughs> the joy is not something that we can impose on others either. Meaning that even well-intended words of encouragement when people are going through difficult things, there'll be something like this. Well, God says, rejoice in all things. We can't impose that on somebody else and somehow make them more joyful. Right? So what is joy then? Here's, first of all, as we talk about what joy is not, we just recognize that joy is an inner attitude. It's an inner attitude. And there is no joy without God. Right? There is no joy without God. And joy is really a byproduct, I believe, of what God is doing in your life and through your life right now. And I'll just kind of roll that out and explain that in just a few minutes as we go through the scripture. But joy is a byproduct of what God is doing about your relationship with God, about what he's doing in you right now, what he has done in you. 
What He's going to do in you, what He's going to do through you, is the byproduct. Um, joy is a byproduct of that. We'll see this. Scripture says, when the Lord brought back or restored the captives to Zion, they were like men who dreamed. This is not a daydream. This is not a, what would it be like to win the lottery? What would I do with that? But this is what we're referring to as an actual dream. Fall asleep in the middle of a dream. And so what they were experiencing was what they would call, am I dreaming? Or is this really reality? Is this really going on? Can it be that good? Somebody need to pinch me and wake me up. It's that type of thing. They were like men who dreamed. They were dreaming. They can't believe that was really happening. Joy is the byproduct of the work of God in us and through us. Eugene Peterson writes this. Eugene Peterson, if you don't know, he's the author of The Message, which is a translation of the Bible in a, in a modern language. He wrote other things. Incredible writer. It says, joy has a history. Joy is the verified, repeated experience of those involved in what God's doing. Joy is the verified, repeated experience of those involved in what God's doing. Joy is nurtured by living in such history and building on such a foundation. Joy is really the outcome of our walk with God. We don't generate it. God does. We don't have joy inside of ourselves. God stirs that, creates that, deposits that in us. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and and joy. So being a part of the kingdom of God, being a part of the house of God, is being a part of joy. It's a, it's a byproduct of walking in that. Amen? Amen. Okay, so, let, so as we go through the scripture, I want you to see the first three verses one way and the other three verses the other way. The first three verses point out really describing uh, what joy looks like. We're going to describe joy. Okay? The back part of this, the last four verses, last three verses, describe how we increase our joy. How we increase our joy. So let's just take a minute and kind of walk through both sides of this. First part is this. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, Zion simply is a term that's used many different ways in Scripture. It's used 153 times at least in the Bible, and it speaks of everything from the physical city of David, the promised land, to the city of God, speaking of the presence of God, and it can speak of eternity with Christ or of the presence of God right here. So when the people came back, when the people were being restored from their captivity, they were being brought into a physical, the, the promises of God, but also the presence of God. They were being restored back to God and back to what God had promised them. They were coming back to the place they should always have been. So God had called them and carried them back. The word restore, re means again. So they were being brought back again and again and again. Just think it in terms as we go through this. The restorative process in our life really speaks to being brought into the blessings of God. Brought into the favor of God. Brought into the forgiveness of God. Brought into the love of God. And we get brought into it again and again and again. Tomorrow morning, I want to walk into, I want to be restored into the blessings of God again. I want to go back there again. 
this afternoon. I want to go back there again. I need forgiveness tonight. I need that again. I need to continue to be walking in, receiving the blessings of God in my life. There's a place of, of consistent restoration. It's not a one-time coming out of captivity into, like when we receive Christ into our life. It's not a one-time event of coming into Christ. It's a lifetime of growing in Him and being restored back to Him again and again and again and again. Walking in the blessings of God. Walking in the mercies of God. We sang today that the, the, the mercies of God are new every day. They're consistent. The grace of God's consistent. It's walking in that. You guys with me this morning? Okay. So David brought back the Ark of the Covenant. I love the story. As the Ark of the Covenant is being restored back to the people, the presence of God is coming back in. The promises of God are coming back in. He strips himself down to basically his T-shirt, his boxers. In front of everyone, publicly. And Scripture says he dances with all his might. That is a picture of joy. It's a byproduct of being restored back to God and the blessings of God. And walking in that type of relationship, there's something that rises up with us that doesn't care what other people think. It doesn't care what the circumstances feel like. I'm going to strip down and be as vulnerable as I can be, and I'm just going to go for it before the Lord because I love Him that much. And I'm so full of God this moment. It's a place of, uh, of joy that needs to be restored in our own heart and life. So Scripture describes it this way. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Isn't that great? This is not a courtesy laugh. It's not a, it's not a little uh, snicker behind your hand. It's not a mild little laugh. This is a slap your thigh, tears rolling down, belly hurting laugh. Their mouths were full of laughter. We don't think of the kingdom of God sometimes as laughter, do we? No, we think of it as serious. And, and what we focus on the, the, the heaviness sometimes. And we realize that the kingdom of God is laughter. It's joy. Being a part of the kingdom of God is, is having our mouth filled with laughter. So much so there's nothing else that can go in our mouth. You guys hear me this morning? Still complaining. No arguing. No, our mouths are full of laughter. So they're described as a, as a group of people that were laughing so hard it was almost uncontrollable. I'm going to, in just a few minutes as we close our service, I'm going to speak a blessing over you. And part of that blessing is I'm going to bless you with joy in your own homes, laughter in your own homes, that your houses will be full of laughter. I appreciated being in a home where I think my dad's two main responsibilities were embarrassing me and making me laugh. He did both well. I served, I, I grew up under a father that laughed. Our household was full of laughter. We have a father that laughs, a heavenly father, and our household needs to be full of laughter, full of laughter. Not only was their mouth full of laughter, but their tongues were filled with shouts of joy or songs of joy, depending on your translation. Either one works for me just fine. And again, just got to picture this image. They're being pulled out of captivity. They're on the way back just laughing because they're like, they're, they're like in a dream. Not only are they laughing, but there's like this fist pump uh, of song and shout coming out that's just raising the roof 
uh, or the sky in their place and the roof would be in our place, just raising the roof, just, just kind of shattering the thing with a shout and a praise. But also in around what was in their mouth. See, this is my cup of water right here. Chip graciously filled it with water because I asked him to. It's refreshing. So if I get parched up here, I have a little water. Your mouth is your mouth. I could have filled this with mud and I could have drank it. Would have helped a lot, but I could have. It's my cup. Your mouth is your mouth. What are you going to fill it with? What are you putting in or what are you allowing God to put into your mouth? Obviously, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Obviously, it comes from something within. It didn't just start here. It starts here. But what are you putting in your mouth? It's shouts of joy and celebration and goodness and thankfulness. Uh, is, it, is it laughter or is it something else? I remember in my home, my father often would be across the room doing something, sitting at a table, sitting at a bench, and, and I just hear him praising God under his, kind of under, his, under his breath or under his voice a little bit. And I, and I always thought that was a little odd as a little boy. What's he doing? Is he talking to somebody? There was just a shout in him. There was a song in him. And he just kind of snuck out sometimes. And it was just all by himself, sitting in the corner, just snuck out. It was at a dinner table by himself, just kind of snuck out a little bit. Where just kind of praises would begin to kind of just roll out a little bit. What are we filling our mouth with? What are we filling our mouth with inside the tongue is the power of life and death. It's the power of a curse and a blessing. What are we filling our mouth with? Where, you think, where's our joy? My question is, what's in your mouth? What's in your mouth? Scripture says that our mouths were filled with laughter, that our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. See, the third part of a description, if we're going to describe what joy is, it's an infectious witness. It's an infectious witness. The nations around them, without CNN and without Fox News and no internet and no Drudge Report and all that kind of stuff, they, they heard what was going on. There was no announcement of it, but the, 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 the unreached people around them looked at them and said, the Lord's done good things for them. That was the word from the nations. That was the word from the ungodly. The Lord's done something good. It wasn't the Persian king who had released them. No, it was the Lord that had done something good for them. And they confirmed it. Yes, the Lord's done great things for us. And we're filled with joy. See, there's something that should take place in our life that when joy is lavished on us, that, 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 that there's a reputation that we have for being blessed. Our deliverance, our blessing, our favor in our lives should cause others to step back and take notice. It should be tangible. But really, our joy should be tangible in our life. It's the, it's the story told of a guy walking through a hotel. He sees three guys playing cards and a dog playing. It's okay if I talk about cards in church? Is that okay? Forgive me if I'm, they're playing cards. The guy just kind of stops for a moment in astonishment and, and, and looks, and the, car, the dog seems to be holding his own. And he says, that's a pretty smart dog. And the guy said, no, he ain't. 
He said every time he has a good hand, he wags his tail. <laughs> For those that don't know cards, wagging your tail would be giving away that you have a good hand. It's not good. Our joy should be tangible. We should be able to see it. People should see it. Uh, they should see something different in your life than what's in their life. Right? It's not because it's something we do or we put something on or we, we fake it or we have a great smile. There's something that, that's almost intangible but it's tangible in our life. It's hard to put our finger on it. It's hard to know exactly how to quantify it. But yet there's something different when people see you. Let me tell you what they're seeing. They're seeing Christ in you. If someone says, there's something different about you, then you don't have to think, what is that? You know what that is. That's Christ in you. They're seeing the work of God is happening in and through your life. They're seeing the very presence of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God on your life. It's a great witness. Not only should it be tangible, but it should really reflect the greatness of the Lord we serve. It should reflect Him, not us. It reflects Him. He's a great and awesome God. And that's what the nation saw. They saw a God that was great. So the, so the picture here of a description of joy is very different than probably what you thought I would say. It's laughter, right? It's songs in our mouth of praise and honor. It's shouts of joy to God. And it is a witness that's infectious. Somehow we, we want to create programs to do, to, 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 uh, to do witnessing. And I think all those are great. I just think maybe we need a little more joy in our life. Maybe we need God lavish us with joy so we don't have a program. We just are infectious everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, somebody sees you and says, there's something about you. I want to I have some of that. I want to drink a little of that joy juice. I want to I I somehow just tap into that a little bit or find out what, who are you and what's going on in your life and what do you have that's different than what's in my life. And they may not say it that way, but they're drawn to it. That's the greatest program we can have for witnessing is more joy. More authentic joy. So how do we walk in that? How do we increase that in our lives? First part of that scripture speaks of a present tense. The Lord brought back the captive Zion. And then it says, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our, our tongues with joy. Our, uh, they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. It's a present tense working of God in their life. And then the next verse said, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of Negev. They switch into a kind of a different mode there. From a, here's where we are. We can't handle much more joy. Lord, restore our fortunes. Restore our joy. See, there's a place in us where we are walking in joy, but I just encourage us that we don't need to plateau, get satisfied, get comfortable, somehow think we've arrived, that there's more than God wants to do in and through your life today than you can even imagine. There's more blessing that God wants to bestow. There's more favor that God wants to pour out in your life. There's more forgiveness. There's more grace. There's more that God wants to give you and pour out in you. And so we don't need to be satisfied at all saying we've somehow arrived. There needs to be a hunger that arises up where we say, Lord, our lives are filled with joy. Restore us, Lord. So how do we increase the joy in our life? Let me just give you three ways real quickly. First one is this, prayer. Sounds so obvious, so, so basic, but it's prayer. It's where it begins in us. We need to give room for prayer in our lives. The streams that they, and they give are, are it is a, speaking of a desert area. 
It's a dry and parched desert area. He's saying this. We need to be restored like streams in a parched, dry area. Mom and Stuart, they moved up from uh, a city called, or an area called uh, Borrego Springs, which is about an hour and a half below Palm Springs. It's a desert community outside of uh, San Diego. Beautiful desert, mountains all around, but it's dry, it's desert. But one time of the year in the spring, normally in March, I don't know, they could tell you more mountain water coming off the mountains, rains coming in, whatever. They have about two weeks where the, where the vegetation, the flowers just come alive in the desert. It's beautiful. It's just everywhere, beautiful flowers. And so we try to time our trip every year to visit them right around that time. So we just hope to kind of catch a little of that window when the desert just came alive. That's what he's speaking of here. There's dry and parched land. It's us. And restore us. Reign on us. Just like, just like the desert gets once a year when it comes alive, that's what I need in my life. And there are dry and, and, and parsed areas of our life where we just desperately need to be crying out for God. Not complaining because there's not enough joy, not enough favor, not enough going on. There's places and seasons sometimes in our life of dry, parched times. And in those times, we need to be crying out for God, Lord, I need joy, Lord. I need you to restore something in my life that I have lost. There's an area in my life that, that's just run dry. Lord, pour into that area. I need a fresh rain, a fresh touch, a, a fresh move of your spirit in that area. It's a place where we need to stop complaining and create more time for joy and more time for prayer. See, what I love about this is when they were coming back from captivity, what it was allowing them is to reestablish patterns of worship that they had, that they had as a people they had lost. Maybe time for us to restore some patterns in our life of worship and prayer that maybe we've lost. And it doesn't matter. Maybe it's early morning prayer. Maybe that's been a discipline in your life for many years and you just have kind of gone dry there. Maybe it's, maybe it's your worship. Maybe it's time in the Word. It could be anything and, and, and patterns of which you touched God and God touched you and you created and walked in and yet some of those have just because of the seasons and the times or whatever reasons that are legitimate have just dried up and, and you need to kind of reestablish those patterns again, asking God to come and not just fill that area, but fill you in when you're in those times and we reestablish those patterns, ask you to come and to fill you again. They prayed. They prayed. And then the last part of this is how do we increase joy? And, I, and it does come, I believe, in prayer and reestablishing those patterns. But it also comes with perseverance and perspective. Like those three Ps? Isn't that nice? <laughs> perspective and perseverance, or perseverance and perspective. I'm going to do these two together, and then, and, then we can, and then we can close. Here's what the Scripture says. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Now the interesting thing with this is there's nothing sad about sowing. It's not any more work necessarily than reaping, right? It may be beautiful weather outside. It's hopeful of a great harvest. 
There's nothing inherently sad or difficult about sowing. So what's going on? What's the lesson here? I believe the lesson is this, and it's a tough lesson, is that there are seasons and times when it's difficult and we don't want to sow. We just, we're not motivated. We have no desire. But we get up and we keep going anyways. Right? And we may be, there may be tears along the way. We may be crying as we're seeding, but there's still laundry to be done. There's still work to be done. There's still, uh, there's still stuff. There, we, we get up and we keep moving even if we don't want to. There's a place where we don't allow the circumstances or the dry season to somehow stop us or hinder us from moving forward in what God's called us to be and to do. We don't allow it. We rise up above it and we keep pressing on with the strength of God, relying on Him daily. We just keep pressing on and we keep putting those seeds out. And sometimes those seeds are met with tears and sorrow and difficulty. And we're weeping, but we're still moving. And we're crying, but we're still seeding. And we're still seeding. And we're still seeding. And there needs to be a perseverance in this. How do we get joy? We don't get joy because we sat back and waited on it. It's that we kept pressing in despite it at times. Despite the fact that we don't feel it or know it. Or we don't see the blessing of God. Or we don't see the harvest yet. Yet we just keep on seeding. And seeding. And trusting. And believing. There's a place of perseverance in us. So we're praying. We're worshiping. Not because we've returned from captivity. Because we feel like we're still in captivity. But in that place we're still seeding. We're still seeding. We're still seeding. It doesn't mean that we ignore the tears. See, that's not healthy either. We recognize the tears. We recognize the difficult seasons. We acknowledge them. We just don't let it stop us. We just don't stop pressing on. Jesus, it was said of him, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Right? He saw the cross. He acknowledged the cross. He knew it. It it was so intense for him that his tears were not tears of water. They were tears of blood. That's how intense this thing was for him. So he acknowledged it. And yet there was a joy that was set before him that he persevered despite it. What a great model for us. Having joy doesn't mean that things are easy. It means that we keep pressing on anyways persevering. Perspective is this. The image here is an image of harvest. He talks about sheaves. What are we talking about? We're talking about uh, gathering grain all wrapped up in a bundle and carrying it back. The promise of God is that if we sow in tears, we'll reap in shouts of joy. If there's weeping in seasons and we keep pressing in and we keep sowing, then we're carrying back a harvest with us. And we keep that as a perspective in our life because it's, it's easy to get caught in the weeds, isn't it? And we stop seeing, as the saying goes, we stop seeing the forest for the trees. We get caught up in just seeing the trees and the trees seem so big and we lose our perspective and we lose our way in that. And yet we recognize we need perspective. We need to step back and say, you know what? The promises of God are yes and amen. They haven't changed. Not just because the circumstances have shifted or changed or just because things didn't work out like we thought they should work out or going to work out or whatever. doesn't mean that the promises of God changed. God hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And so we have a perspective of eternal God with, with, with an eternal perspective that He loves us. He died for us. He gives good gifts to His children. 
His promises are yes. They are yes and amen. So we have that as a perspective. And then we keep pressing through. And we allow that joy to rise up in us. And that's my encouragement for you today. Wherever you are in your journey, some of you maybe feel like you're in seasons of a real dry time. Uh, I would I testify to say that this past season for our family, our marriage has been a dry time. It's been a difficult time. It's okay. We just learn that we keep praying and we keep seeding and we keep walking. And while we're walking, we're just saying, God, you're awesome. My circumstances are not, but you are. Lord, you have a provision. I don't see it right now, but I trust your provision. Lord, there's nothing in me that wants to keep getting up in the morning and going, except for the fact that I know you're on the throne, and I just keep seeding, and I keep seeding, and I keep seeding. Wherever you are in your journey, my encouragement is allow that joy to arise afresh. Allow it to arise afresh. Would you stand up with me? We know that there is no joy without, without the Father. Without Jesus Christ, there is no joy. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I don't want you to leave this place without having asked Him to come in and be Lord of your life, without surrendering yourself to the God of love and the God of peace and the God of forgiveness and the God who will restore you fully. Our prayer teams are coming up on either side. If you'll come up, just a moment I close. If you don't know the Lord, then come up and pray with one of these folks. If you're in a difficult season and you just need someone to stand with you in agreement, then come up and receive prayer in just a moment. Don't leave this place and just re-engage in life and, and, and put the smile on when you know there's something inside that just needs to break. Come up and receive some prayer. Have some people that love you and are committed to standing with you. will hold your hand and just agree with you that God's going to do something supernatural in your midst. And it may be in this moment, you may leave this place changed. It may be this afternoon, it may be tomorrow, but either way, we're trusting God's at work in our lives. Amen. Let me bless you. I'm going to ask the worship team to... You can look up at me. I do want to bless your homes today. I bless your homes that they will be filled with joy and laughter. Authentic, real, godly laughter will be poured out over your homes. That the day-to-day, Monday things will be full of new life and excitement. That taking out the trash is somehow going to be met with the favor of God and the blessing of God that just overflows in you testifying to God's goodness. I bless your dinner tables. May there be wonderful times of going deeper in conversation and deeper in the Lord 
And, and I just pray that the Lord will fill your mouths with such a powerful testimony that's not going to transform you or your family, but every person you come in contact with. Scripture says that the pure in heart shall see Jesus. I bless your heart. Pure to your heart that you may see him. Really see him. See his activity in and out and around you. See his activity involved in others. You can just come into agreement with what he's doing. You are the blessed of God. You are. You are the favored of God. You are the apple of his eye. You're his love. God bless you. Have a great, great week. Amen. I'm going to let these guys lead us back into a song. If you need prayer, come up and receive it. As soon as they're finished, you're released.